Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Listen to the word of the Lord. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1, the Bible says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand. By which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which... I also received how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scripture. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled What Easter Means to Me. Say Easter. Pray with me. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for resurrection, God. I thank you for the opportunity to be in church today, and I pray, Lord, that you be glorified by everything that's done on this, these grounds today, through our children's ministry, through our nursery, God, through our preschool, God, and even in this room, Lord. I pray that you'd anoint me to say only the things that would bring you honor. God, give us ears to hear what you have to say to us is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. I, I think most of the people in this room already know what Easter is about, um, but I think the world gets Easter confused. It's, it's not about the Easter bunny buying new clothes, going to church, Easter egg hunts, and eating chocolate-covered bunnies, which I do love me some chocolate-covered bunnies. Amen? I saw a commercial the other day. The girl was like, dude gives her a chocolate-covered bunny, probably because he was in trouble, uh, but, you know, kissing up. But she gives it, it's like, it's so pretty. I don't want to eat the feet, but I can't eat the head. I'm like, girl, you're missing the whole point. <laughs> this ain't real. And every good, real, prof- see, some people are good at stuff. Some folk are professional at stuff. Some people are, are, are just beyond professional. If you have an East, a chocolate Easter bunny, you start with what? The ears, come on now, get it together, people. If you learn anything today, I just taught you with help of my friend. We didn't rehearse this. Visitors are like, I wonder how long they planned that out. <laughs> Everybody knows you start with the ears. You're like, I start with the feet. Some people, you know, the, all, all, all the strength. I start with the backside because that's how I No, you start with the ears. People are like, he said that in church. Get you. I'm not mad at the Easter Bunny. I'm not mad at people with new clothes. I'm, I'm not mad at people that only come to church on Easter. There's nothing wrong with, with, with all those things. But as Christians, we ought to realize the real significance of Easter is about the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Amen? That's the whole reason we meet on Sunday to begin with. The church that follows Jehovah God, the creator of heaven and earth, always met on Saturday. Before And if it was not for Jesus' resurrection, we'd still be meeting on Saturday. But when Jesus rose, the Bible says very early on the first day of the week, very early on a Sunday morning, the disciples began to gather together on Sunday as a reminder to them of that significant event that changed 
the human history. And when we come together, people ask, well, Pastor, what are we going to do special for Easter? Well, we, we try to do some things every now and then. We're not a marketing church. We're not a promotions church. We don't do radio, TV, and all that other stuff. Uh, we were asked by TBN to go on for free. They said it hosts us for free because they thought it was funny that there was a, a white pastor preaching to a predominantly African-American church. And I think they just wanted to, you know, just use us, pimp us out for that reason. And I'm like, nah, I'm not interested in being on your TV show because I know, you know, we get on there for a month and then y'all be like, hey, if you want to stay, we'll charge you more. But anyway, we don't do all those things. We, we come to church and we just try to realize that each Sunday is about resurrection. If you only celebrate Jesus on Easter, you're missing out on 51 other Sundays that you should be reminded that he rose from the dead. Really, if you only celebrate resurrection of Christ on Easter, you're missing out on 364.25 other opportunities to celebrate resurrection. But the, the gospel message of the Bible is that because Adam and Eve were placed in a garden, naked without sin, perfectly right with God, but they chose to sin against God, that, then, that all people became sinners as a result of their bad decision, sin passed to all people. God sent his son to live on this earth, live a perfect life, die on a cruel Roman cross, and rise the third day so everyone, listen, who believes in the resurrection of Jesus Christ don't have to go to hell when they die. Is that good news to anybody? I've heard so many preachers say, well, you shouldn't get saved just so you don't have to spend eternity in hell. I don't want to spend eternity in hell. And here, here's what makes me different than a lot of people. I know I've done enough bad stuff in my life to deserve to die and go to hell, but I'm going to heaven on grace. I'm going to heaven on forgiveness. People are sitting there thinking, well, I never killed anybody. I don't deserve to go to hell. Keep reading the Bible. You'll find out that, that all have sinned. Amen? But God made a way through his son Jesus that we could have real life. I'm not going to preach to you a typical Easter sermon to you this morning. I just want to take a couple of minutes and share with you some things that Easter means to me. Because I want you to have a biblical worldview. The world is rushing to try to cloud all of our thinking by the view they want us to have, the paradigm, the lens through which we see life. They, they want us to have a political worldview. They, they want us to be Democrats and Republicans, conservative and liberal. They want us to be left-wing and right-wing. They, they want to divide us every way they can. They want us to see life through color. They want us to see life through class system. But I want to make sure that you who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ have a Bible-centered worldview. And you can have your Easter traditions. I'm not mad about that. People are like, can you, what if, what if Pastor finds out we're having an Easter egg hunt? Hey, I ain't nobody to your Easter egg hunt. You do what you want to do. And B, I like eggs as much as the next part, especially if they're covered in chocolate. But I want you, when you think Easter, to have primary in your mind Jesus. Can you say that with me today? Say Jesus. Hallelujah. His, Jesus is, is the, it's the big thing. And to me, Easter really comes down to three things. Number one, Jesus. Secondly, resurrection. And third thing, joy. I want you to think about those things with me this morning. Number one, Easter is about Jesus. For me personally, talking about Jesus is easy. 
because he's done so much for me. For me personally, talking about Jesus is, is simple because I love the Lord more than anybody else because I'm convinced after almost 40 years of following him, he loves me more than anybody else. Does anybody feel that way with me this morning? There's nobody like Jesus in the whole world. It's not just the sweetest name on earth. It's the most powerful name on earth. It's the most comforting name on earth. And according to Philippians chapter 2, Jesus is the name above all names. There's so many promises in the Bible, and some of them are good for those who are on the good side, and some of them are very difficult for those on the difficult side. In Philippians chapter 2, it says that in the judgment time, when all people stand before God, that every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Well, on the good side, for people who already believe that, that's easy. If I asked you to tell me your child's name and two good things your child had done, you would rejoice in that because you love your child and you want the whole world to know, oh, my child's special, honor roll student there in the chess club. I'm like, nerd alert. Uh, but anyway... Hey, if you do chess, good on you. I'm not mad at you. But everybody loves to brag on people they love about. So for some people to say, hey, I love bowing my knee and confessing Jesus is Lord. But that's going to be a very difficult time on other people because here's the reality. Those of us who've been bowing our knee and confessing Jesus as Lord, we're going to do that as we enter into uh, eternity and paradise. But everybody else who doesn't really want to is going to be made to. You can confess Jesus as Lord because you want to, or you can confess Jesus as Lord because you've been made to. And therein lies the difference. Therein lies the difference between those God's going to let in his heaven and those God is going to not let in his heaven. And people are like, well, I don't believe you got to do all that to get into heaven. Listen, it's God's heaven. He makes the rules. And his rules are clear in the book. But I thank God for the reality that God has revealed himself to us through his son, Jesus Christ. I already told you, I love so much about Easter. I especially love four days from now, the candy is going to be ridiculously on sale. <laughs> My kids don't have Easter candy yet. <laughs> I'm going to walk out into Walgreens and buy some basket with $96 worth of candy. $2 worth of candy in it jacked up the $80 price tag. No, that ain't me. I might go in there in about four days and rake the aisle for some peeps and some chocolate-covered bunnies, though. Look at me and know I eat marshmallows. I am not mad at it, but I'm here to tell you, for Christians, Easter has a bigger meaning. So it's bigger meaning. It's a bigger meaning. It's, it's, it's about Jesus. It's, it, it's, see, if, I, I, I like... I like candy, obviously, I ain't mad at marshmallows. I love baseball. I love basketball. I, I, I'm competitive. I, I love winning in sports. I'm glad y'all came back to church today. Uh, that's an inside joke for people that don't know. Uh, we have cards tournaments every month here. If you think you got some, come get it. Be ready for some humility, though. But I, I like so many different things. I get excited about lots of different things, but nothing gets me as excited as Jesus. 
See, if you, if, if you, wanna, if you really want to get in my wheelhouse, talk about the Lord. And that's not because I'm a pastor. Before I was ever a pastor, I was just thrilled being saved. I just was happy having my personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you don't get anything else out of today, I want you to get this. Christianity is not about what we do here on Sunday. It's not about showing up for church and keeping rules and regulations. It's about having an exciting, dynamic, real-life relationship with a living God. Amen? And it is the best thing. There's no party in the world like a Holy Ghost party. And, and I want you to find joy in the name of Jesus. I want you to be excited about Easter. I told you, as far as I'm concerned, Easter starts with Jesus. Uh, but that name, it, it, that's, that's, to some people, it's just a word. Some people pronounce it differently. I mean, people are like, well, there's only one Jesus. Don't tell that to Jesus. I mean... I mean, there's lots of Spanish people. Now, I've never, I've never met a white or a black man named Jesus. But Hispanics don't hesitate, man. They will break off Jesus in a heartbeat. That's that my cousin Jesus. I don't know if I could have named him Jesus, but when I, uh, at least you didn't name him Judas, right? They retired that name forever. But the name Jesus, it means different things to different people if you ask a historian who Jesus was, he'll tell you that Jesus was a son of a carpenter. And, and Jesus did grow up in a carpenter's home. If you ask a Muslim who Jesus was, he'll tell you that Jesus is a great prophet. And there's no doubt there's never been a better prophet than Jesus. If you ask a Mooney who Jesus was, he'll tell you Jesus was a great teacher. If you ask a Mormon who Jesus was, he'll tell you that Jesus was a son of God. I, I, I don't want to take a lot of your time this morning trying to explain to you who Jesus is, I'd rather let you watch the best definition that I've ever seen of who Jesus is. There was a great African-American pastor named S.M. Lockridge, and he's got just lots of great sermons online available. I think the thing that he's most known for, I'll show you one, and the second one I want you to research on your own. Um, we're gonna, I'm going to let you look at a, a video, just a couple of minutes, but it tells who Jesus is in really clear form. Uh, that's called "That's My King," and there's another video on YouTube that you need to look up. Look up, and it's by the same man, and the title of it "It's Friday." And I really wanted to show it's Friday, but it's Sunday. If we'd had church on Friday, see, because when when Pastor Lockridge did his "It's Friday" message, he wanted people to understand that. It may be bad now because on Friday, Good Friday, what we, what we talked about a couple days ago was Jesus dying on the cross, and it looked like hope was lost, but Pastor Lockridge let us know it's only Friday and Sunday's coming. So look that one up on your own. It's incredible. It'll fill you with hope, but I want us to get a good idea. I said Jesus can be just a name. Listen to this video and try. Here's what I want you to do. You're going to hear one of the greatest voices and one of the greatest pastors ever describe in great detail who Jesus is to him. And I want you, because these are all going to be descriptions out of the Bible, and I want you to rejoice and listen till you hear something where you can honestly say, I get that because I know that's who Jesus is to me. Play that, Elder. The Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. 
He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heavens. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder, do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captive. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent and he beautifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's the key to knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. I wish I could describe him to you. Yes, he's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. You can't get him out of your mind. You can't, you can't get him off of your hand. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. And the grave couldn't hold him. Yeah! Hallelujah. Come on, put your hands together for our God. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, there's four people wondering. Is Pastor going to throw that disclaimer out there? I am. I love... Everything that Pastor Lockridge said, I just wish somebody put together a more accurate video of what Jesus looked like. I'm going to go ahead and break all your bubbles, all your eggs for you today. There is no possible way on this planet that Jesus Christ was a white man with long, straight hair and blue eyes. Can anybody say amen to that? That is impossible 
for even the wildest, most insane redneck to believe. Don't confuse country and redneck. That's different. But it's impossible. And the people who have traveled to the Middle East understand that's not even reasonable to imagine that. And so all the militant black folk in the room just swole up. That's right. Tell them, Rev. Ain't no white man, my God. Well, let me say this. Jesus didn't have a full-blown afro with a fist pick stuck in his hair either. He was a brown person. It is crazy that white people try to make Jesus white so they feel like they can relate to him. Or black people try to make Jesus. And I see, man, I go into people's homes and they got this old big old painting, the, the Last Supper with Jesus and these 12 white dudes up there. And I'm like, well, this is, they're never going to invite me over, but I'm going to have to let them know. Your racist picture of Jesus is not showing forth properly who he was. And then so they get mad and they're like, we're leaving the church and I thought you were anyway, but... Then I go to other people's house, and I, I see, you know, black Jesus all, you know, froed out like Dr. J in 72, and uh, fist pig in the back and 12 brothers up there eating fried chicken. Get over it. I eat more chicken than anybody. And I got to tell them. Now, I, and I let them know, I appreciate the fact that you didn't put some skin, because at least in black home, Jesus is like, boom. No sissy Jesus on the cross. He was a carpenter. He built stuff with his hands. No power tools. This man cut down trees with his hands. Built stuff. Carried it on his back. This wasn't no skinny, frail white dude. This was a swole brown dude. But I let him know, you know, Jesus didn't really have an afro. Hair like wool. That's texture. You know, there are people in this room right now that have hair like wool that don't have afro. I ain't going to point you out. I hope Jesus doesn't have to look like you for you to recognize him as God. He's better than we are. We don't get our way. Okay, it, learning that is, it will help you grow as a Christian. We don't get our way to pick God. God. God sets his own rules. But if I was going to get my way, I would make him a color nobody else had ever been. I would. I would. That, that way we couldn't be arguing racially over what Jesus really looked like. I don't understand why there's an argument. Most people don't argue over what Africans look like. Most people don't argue over what Germans look like. Most people don't argue over what Hispanics look like, although that's a little, you know. Hey, I tell my sons all the time because we go to a lot of baseball games. Um, and, you know, if, if you study baseball the way I do, you understand that there's less than 10% uh, African-Americans playing baseball, but there's about 70% of black people on the field. Because Jose Ortiz is, is blacker than Deacon West, but he can't speak no English. No English. So, you know, anyway, let me get off that because some of y'all mad. The Bible says laughter does the heart good like a medicine. I believe you ought to get something when you come to church, a smile, a nap, something. But Jesus... 
should be your life. Not just on Easter, but Jesus ought to be the greatest name that you know. Not only to me is Easter about Jesus, but secondly this morning, I want you to know that Easter for me is about resurrection. The resurrection specifically of Jesus Christ, but the Bible teaches that God allowed Jesus to be the first one who would be raised from the dead so that many could follow him. And I hope this morning you find yourself in the many. I don't know how long I'm going to live on this earth. I don't know if, uh, you know, best chances, sedentary dude, 50 pounds overweight, eating a lot of candy and fast food, you know, heart attack. Don't say that. Uh, uh, I don't know how I'm going to leave this earth, but I do know this. I'm going to be one in that many. No matter how I die, God made a promise to me he's going to raise me up. I, I love old hymns. I love songs that have been around for more than a minute. And the old Christian hymn says, when the saints go marching in, oh, I just want to be in that number. And I want you to know this morning, I am convinced and I am sure that I am in that number. And if you're in that number this morning, I want you to put your hands together for God to give you the faith to believe. It's about resurrection. The the American Heritage Dictionary says that resurrection is the act of rising from the dead or returning to life. This is where the story gets wild. Okay, it's already wild enough to believe in the whole creation, although I find it more easy to believe that a all-knowledgeable God, an all-knowing God created everything the way it should function rather than, you know, the, the sky just blew up and everything fell into place. That made no sense to me. But it, it takes faith to believe all these different things. It takes faith to believe that Jesus was God in the flesh. It takes faith to believe that Jesus lived without sin. That's a big one, especially if you have kids. You know kids don't live without sin. Uh, you, you don't have to teach children to be selfish. If you don't understand that, take a turn in the nursery one time and hear how many times these children say mine as they snatch stuff from folk. That's like that, it's like that Nemo thing, mine, 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 mine. They, just, they, they come out of the womb just, just with, with this whole just, uh, proclivity to sin. The fact that Jesus didn't sin, imagine that. He had at least four brothers and two sisters that the Bible tells us about. Could you imagine? It's hard enough. I grew up the black sheep of my family. Anybody else? Me, me and Jimmy, I know. Okay, a couple of y'all. y'all. Hey, half of y'all weren't, you just don't know it. Yeah, y'all are living in denial. You, you, your family talking about you behind your back like, that. Eh, that's the black sheep. We pray for them. But I grew up, my sister, uh, she wasn't perfect, but she put off that fakery. You know what I'm saying? I love my sister. If you're new here today, you, you just ask somebody how much he loves. She, she's our church administrator, the best woman I know. But, you know, she was always National Honor Society, president of her class, head cheerleader. She's always making straight A's and always doing those things. And, you know, me, I'm just out here trying to have fun. And so that's a hard thing to grow up behind some sibling that's got it really together. Now, I get, you know, if I ever get the feeling down about that, I'm like, man, at least I ain't James. Half-brother. Could you imagine having because, uh, you know, if you're, if you're young enough to remember how annoying your parents could be when they were always nagging at you, parents that are old, you're like, I don't nag at mine. Yeah, you do. Ask, ask their friends. They'll tell you. But when, when parents are like, why can't you be like your brother? Why can't you be like your sister? Why can't you, you, your brother never said that. Your sister never said that. Could you imagine being raised in a home with Jesus? Okay, so here's where faith's got to kick in. Here's the reality. 
Jesus, now let me just ask you, let's, let's just expand our mind for a minute. Do you believe, Christians, don't, don't holler out if you hate the Lord, but if you're Christian, do you believe that Jesus Christ ever pitched a temper tantrum? Some people said no, some people said yes. No, he was perfect. Your little baby pitching the fit ain't perfect. Je- Listen, Jesus, and then this is where it really gets wild. Now, you know, do you realize all children lie? Oh, not my angel. <laughs> you need medication. All children lie. I mean, about stuff that don't even require lies. You say, leave them cookies alone after dinner. You come in, three of them missing. Oh, I was so excited the other day because I like Publix because it's close to my house, but it's overpriced. And so anytime I see that buy one, get one free on donuts, I'm, boy, I'm in. I'm telling I'm in like Ben. I'm, I'm, I said, I get these intimate chocolate-covered donuts. Buy one, get, and they're like $18 a box. And, and listen, real donuts come 12 in a box. These scams come 8 in a box. What kind of overpriced donut comes eight in a box? So I get them because <laughs> you have to if you're fat and you like donuts. And, oh, I get them. I made all the way home and didn't even open them up. So we put everything away. I go to my room, get some sleep like a reasonable human being. I come downstairs and three donuts are missing, and nobody's been up yet. Roaches can't open boxes of donuts, nor can rats, but two teenage boys can. So I contemplate, should I wake these kids up and ask them where my donuts went? Give them the opportunity to lie to me. On Palm Sunday weekend. But I know kids, and if you have more than one kid, they're just like, it wasn't me. Oh, so your brother got up at 3 o'clock in the morning, bust into my donuts and ate three of them by himself? Must have. Wasn't me. Wasn't the other one either. So what are we living in? Some twilight zone? The zombie donut eater that broke into my house? Look, kids, don't touch those cookies for dinner. You walk in, cookies missing. They're like, did you eat those cookies? No, cookies everywhere. Do you know Jesus never touched the unleavened bread when they said don't be messing with that bread before dinner? That's real. He, he never snuck a snack. He never got up in the middle of the night and ate his daddy donuts. You see him walking down the side of the road, you know I put him out. Better be a donut when I get home. Jesus lived a perfect life. All that takes some real, mm, you got you to stretch out by faith to believe that because there are no other perfect people but not only did he live a perfect life you want to get into the real mind stretcher he raised himself from the dead now that's not hard to do that's impossible to do but the bible says with god all things are possible so you got to decide do you want to go with logic or do you want to go with god 
I can remember one time when I was in college, my best friend had a job at the Fraser Funeral Home on Normandy Boulevard. And what a weird job. I mean, I guess it was the ultimate job for a lazy dude, though, because he worked from 11 at night to 7 o'clock in the morning. All he had to do was sleep in there with the bodies. He's like, I couldn't do that job. And that's the same thing I told him. He's like, well, it's not like they're going to get up and jump up and mug me. And I'm like, well, that's a good point. So he's like, well, let's, let's come on, walk through. So we're walking through, taking inventory, everybody at Fraser Funeral Home. And, 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 and I'm thinking, you know, why do people say, oh, she looked good? Didn't she look good? No, she looked dead to me. That ain't good. That's on the other side of good. That's on the bad side of good. And so I'm like, man, this is just too weird. And he kept reminding me, these people are not going to hurt you. They can't do anything. They're dead. And he, he leaned down and screamed at one of them in their face. I didn't know how off he is. I ran into the other room to let you know. I, uh. Chris Rock said if it was only black people in the world, there wouldn't be no horror films. There wouldn't be no horror films of me in the world either. Don't do that. Don't mess around with no horror. But dead people, do you know what dead people can do? Nothing. They can't do anything except Jesus. He raised himself from the dead. Now, people done a lot of things. And people done things that they say would never happen. Uh, they, they said nobody would ever run a, a mile faster than four minutes. They, they had scientists when I was a kid in grade school saying that it was physically impossible for the human body to go that fast because of the pressure it would put on the lungs, that the lungs would explode and the person would fall over and die. It was, they said it was a scientific fact. Well, that's been disproved. They said we never put a man on the moon. Mm, uh, but probably. You're like, oh, pastor, we put a man. Were you there? Now, some smart person's thinking, were you there when Jesus rose from the dead? <laughs> no, but I met him on July 15, 1981, and I know he, he had to raise from the dead to meet me. Let, let, let's keep moving. Easter is about resurrection. Uh, we celebrate Easter because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When they took him down off the cross, many people thought they'd seen the last of him. Many people thought, well, finally, we have shut up the mouth of the rebel because Jesus was a militant. Jesus was, uh, he, he was rebellious against the norm. He, he stood out. He had a different message, and they thought that they had finally silenced him. But those of us who are saved and believe the Bible believe that on the third day, he shocked them all and got up and rose from the dead. Does anybody believe that story for real this morning? It's not an isolated opinion, see, and this is, this is the difference. Now, you say, Pastor, some of y'all still worried about whether or not I believe. Well, we probably went to the moon. Okay, I'm going to give you that one. I ain't going. Many people talking about you want to go live on Mars. No, barely like living on Earth. I'm not going to live on Mars. You can't breathe up there. Ain't, no, ain't, ain't nothing cool on Mars, just a dead planet. But, okay, probably did. But the only people that can verify that are a handful of people that all work for the same government. Okay? So you're like, Pastor, you need to blow. Okay, I'll give you the moon, but I want to show you more in detail how factual resurrection is. Because fact, resurrection is not a theory. Resurrection is not just a handful of people's ideas. Listen to what the Bible says in Acts 1-3. During the 40 days after his crucifixion, he appeared to the apostles from time to time. And he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. After Jesus 
resurrected, resurrection from the dead. He walked on the earth for 40 days and was seen by hundreds of people. Now, that is incredible. I've heard a lot of people say, oh, I just wish we could get back to Pentecost. We need signs and wonders and miracles. That'll grow the church. That's cool, but it's not what grows the church. Resurrection is what grows the church. The first century church didn't grow so fast because of signs and wonders. The first century church grew so fast because people believed the story that Jesus rose from the dead. And then so they had to really start investigating Jesus. You just can't brush off somebody who you went to their funeral, and then three days later they're in your living room. That's a game changer right there. If we bury grandmama and then grandmama shows up to church next week, everybody's listening to what grandmama's got to say. Now, Jesus didn't just appear once or twice or three times. He appeared at least 11 specific times in the Bible. He appeared to Mary Magdalene in the garden in John chapter 20. He appeared to the women returning from the tomb in Matthew 28. He appeared to two disciples on the Emmaus Road in Mark 16. He appeared to the apostle Peter in Jerusalem in Luke 24. He appeared to 10 of his apostles in the upper room in the the first part of John chapter 20, which he came later in that chapter and appeared to all 11. Now there was 10 in, the, in one appearance, and 11, who was the one that missed the first appearance? Thomas, and Thomas is called Doubting Thomas because he said, I won't believe it unless I see it. And I've told you all for years, don't be like Doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas had been with these disciples every day for over 13 months without missing. The one day he chose to miss was the day Jesus showed up. That's why you should come to church regular because the one you know your luck. The one day you miss will be the one time Jesus shows up and does something fantastic. But he showed himself to all 11 of them. And then later in John 21, he showed himself to seven apostles by the Sea of Galilee. In 1 Corinthians 15, he showed himself to more than 500 believers on Mount Tamar. Now, this is where it gets interesting. Because when you show yourself to Peter, Peter's going to say anything, right? Because Peter has, has skin in the game. Peter is one of Jesus' closest followers, and he's, he's, he's going to try to continue to say, yes, he rose from the dead. Those 11, they're all his followers. They're going to say, yes, he rose from the dead. But this Mount Tabor incident is completely different because there were hundreds of people there, and some of them never followed Jesus. Some of them were critics of Jesus. Listen to what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15.3. Paul is talking to the church at Corinth, and he says, I passed on to you what was most important and what had been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the Scripture said. He was buried, and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the Scripture said. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. That could be explained away, but verse 6 cannot. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Listen, this was 25 years after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, if I come to you and I say, you know, because we have funerals at the church from time to time. If I come to you and say, we buried so-and-so last, last Friday, pray for the family, they're in grief, and then next Sunday that person shows up. You're going to be like, well, did they die for real? If you didn't see them die for real, you're, gonna, you're not going to be sure that they were raised from the dead. But in that culture, crucifixion, and I don't know that the culture is much different. I believe if they had public execution today, lots of folk would show up. You say, not me, because I don't believe in the death penalty. Well, if they killed your children, 
you'd probably show up. But anyway, in that culture, it was a large cultural event. Everyone was forced to come out and watch. The government mandated that you watch so you'd be worried about what might happen to you. So all the people in this area saw Jesus hang on the cross and die. And then these 500 people saw him come back. Now, if you want real proof text, if you really want to get somebody convinced uh, about salvation, let them see a dead person talk. And there's people still today who say, well, if you expect me to believe in Jesus, he's going to have to come and show himself to me. I have an answer for you. No, he doesn't. Well, I'm not going to believe in him if he don't come and show himself to me. He showed himself to Peter. Why won't he show himself to me? Because he doesn't have to. Well, I'm not going to believe in him if he doesn't come show himself to me. He showed himself to those 500 people in the Bible. I'm not going to believe in him if he doesn't come show himself to me. Why won't he? I'll give you the same answer. Because he doesn't have to. See, the reality is we need Jesus more than Jesus needs us. If you can't get with that, then you don't need to follow Jesus to begin with. If you don't understand that we need him more than he needs us. But the reality, Jesus was very concerned, listen to me, with kick-starting his new church. And that's why he hung around for 40 days after the crucifixion before he went to sit down on the throne in heaven because he wanted to holler at some people and let them know, yeah, I did it, yeah, I did it, yeah, I did it. And that's why the first century church grew so fast because people were literally going to each other like, have you heard? Did you hear? Jesus is back. He's alive. No, he ain't back. He is back. He ain't back. I saw him. No, you didn't. And it was this whole amazement of resurrection. And the reason why some people are still excited about Christ is because they really believe in resurrection. And the reason why some people won't make heaven their home is because they don't believe in resurrection. The ninth appearance the Bible talks about in Mark 16, Jesus showed himself to the 11 plus James, Jesus' half-brother. James was a half-brother of Jesus who did not believe in Jesus until after Jesus died. Now, what's unique about that is all these other 11 dudes You say, I thought there were 12, one hung himself. All these other 11 dudes that had made up the Lord's 12 disciples, they had been following Jesus. James had been resisting them. And now after resurrection, James believes in Jesus. And the cool thing about that, it's not a time function. It's it's God's purpose for your life. James gets quickly elevated to the head of everybody. He begins to be the lead apostle over the entire church in Jerusalem. The good news for everybody in this room is just because you ain't the pastor now don't mean one day God ain't going to use you to do something great for him. And you ought to want to do something great for the Lord because if you believe that he is the Lord, you know he's done something great for you. The 10th resurrection appearance the Bible talks about is in Luke 24 to the 11 disciples on the Mount of Olives. And then lastly, in Acts chapter 9, the Lord shows himself in resurrected body to the Apostle Paul. Now, I get it. People say, well, if he really wants me to believe in him, he needs to show himself to me. Listen, he's not going to do that because he's looking for faith. Faith is believing in what you can't see, but it's not blind belief. The Bible says that biblical faith has evidence 
You say, well, I want to see some evidence. Get around somebody who's truly saved that used to be this, but now they're that. They was one way, but now they're a different way. That's evidence. If you ever have had a change in your life because of Jesus Christ, you are a living testimony to the whole world of resurrection power. Some of y'all been trying to quit doing stuff for a long time. You, you need to quit trying and let God take it from you. That's why rehab doesn't work. Well, don't say that. I'm sending my cousin to rehab. I'll say it again. Rehab does not work for most people because most people are not trying to stop doing what they're doing. People go to rehab to save their marriage. People go to rehab to stay out of jail. People go to rehab court order. People go to rehab for mama and them. That doesn't work until you desperately want change in your life. And I got good news for you this morning. If you ever find yourself ready to change in life, cry out to Jesus because he's got a change for you. Third thing I said Easter means to me is joy. When I think about the fact that Jesus loved me enough to come into this world and die for me on the cross, it floods my heart with joy. See, the Bible says that God made an exchange on the cross, that he took the sins of all people and placed them on Jesus so that anybody who believed in the resurrection of Jesus Christ could have the righteousness of Jesus for their sins. Here's the gospel simply. You give God all your junk, and he gives you all his righteousness. See, people talk about getting a deal. Got a deal at the mall. Probably not. Got a deal at a car lot. Never happened. Got, got, a, got a deal on some furniture. Maybe. People talk about a great deal. There's never been a better deal than you giving up your life so that you could have his life. You giving up your sins so you could have his righteousness. You giving up your struggle so you could have his victory. See, Jesus paid a debt he didn't owe because we owed a debt we couldn't pay. And, and, and when I think about the resurrection, I think about what he told his disciples when he was getting ready to leave the earth in John 14. He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. If you are saved in this room, you need to understand God has got a place waiting on you. And you need to get big picture. You need to get the big picture in mind. It's not, it's not all about here and now. It's more greatly about then and there. You need to understand it's not all about me and mine. It's about him and his. He, he's gone to prepare a place for those who believe in him. And, and that's why we rejoice when we hear phrases like, I've got a home in glory land that outshines the sun. It doesn't matter what, what size home you live in on this life, but it matters where you live in eternity. You may find great joy in having a nice house here, and that's cool. But if you don't have the right home in eternity, then you're going to come up short. You need to make sure that heaven is your home. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. You need to get ready for what's coming on the other side. It excites me to think about seeing Jesus one day. There's a movie out now, I haven't seen it yet, I probably will, called um, I Can Only Imagine. And it's based off Mercy Me's song um, that the writer wrote about his father. That was uh, my wife's favorite song before she passed, and I, I sang it to her um, every day while she was in hospice, giving her last breaths. And we talked about the fact that if she didn't get better, that she wouldn't have to imagine anymore what it would be like to see him face to face. I wonder if you've ever thought about what it would be like to see God. What it, when, when one day your faith becomes like, see, here's the reality. 
The Bible says that when you close your eyes on this side of eternity, you open your eyes up in one of two places. It tells us about the one man who died, and he lifted up his eyes. He opened his eyes up in hell. And the other man who died, he opened his eyes up in heaven. You would have to be far thinking and not proper thinking to believe that this life is all there is. When there's something inside the, the life of every human being that believes there's got to be more. Every human being that ever lived has this awareness on the inside there has to be more. And the reality there is more. The Bible says that everyone will live forever either in heaven or in hell. And it's not about being a good person. It's not about going to church. It's not about so many things that church has tried to make it about. It's about are you born again? Because Jesus said in John chapter 3 that you must be born again or you can't even see heaven. See, here's the, here's the truth. Here's what Christians believe all around the world. That sin separates us from God. Because that's what the Bible teaches. So what you really have to come to grips with is to answer the question, are you a sinner or not? Now, see, smart people already understand. You don't have to argue with a person with a functioning brain if they're a sinner. Because we know we're a sinner. I mean, the Bible says that all have sinned in Romans 3.23. But I don't need the Bible to tell me that. I I know I've done wrong in my life. And if you be honest, you know you've done wrong too. You, you cloud your thinking when you start saying, well, I'm not as bad as so-and-so. I'm not as bad as such-and-such. So-and-so and such-and-such don't have a heaven you need to get into. God does. God is the standard. Perfection is the standard. And the Bible says we've all fallen short of that. And in Romans 6.23, the Bible says that the payment for our sins is eternal death and separation from God. The payment for sin is death. Romans 5.8 says God showed his love for us by sending Jesus to the cross to die for us. Now, if the payment is sin, for sin is death, what did Jesus do on the cross? He died. So that payment has been made. The payment is made. But here's the bad news. You don't have to accept that payment. If I, if I found out if you were JEA or Clay Electric, and I went down to JEA and I paid your light bill for you, you show up to pay your light bill, and they're like, oh, no, uh, Scott Becker paid that yesterday. You'd be like, I'm going to bump that. I don't, he ain't nobody to me. Scratch that off. I want to pay two, all two and a half months, the shut off, cut off, back on. I want to pay it all myself because I am not trying to take no charity from no Scott Becker. And that's your choice. It's not a good choice. If somebody cares enough about you to pay a bill for you, you ought to be be humble enough to accept that payment and say, thank you. That's how you become a Christian. You believe that Jesus paid your price for you, your penalty for your sin, and you become humble enough to accept that payment, and you say, thank you. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that God made Jesus to become sin for us so that we could be made righteous in him. It's a wild story that on the cross... Jesus took the sin of every murderer, every rapist, every racist, every evil person, and me and you. The Bible says our sins were on his body. And God put our sin on him so that he could make payment for it because Jesus was the only human being to ever live that could raise himself from the dead. We can't do it, so we need his help. 
He's the only one that could make that payment and overcome it. We can't do it, so we need his help. The question is, are you willing to admit this morning that you need his help? See, everybody in the room today needs God's help. If you're here and you're a Christian, you know you need God's help to get through every day. If you're here and you're saved, you know you need God's help to get into heaven. If you're here and you've never been born again, you're not sure about this whole Jesus thing, I got the best news I can give you. The Bible says if you confess your sins, he'll forgive you of your sins. He'll take all your junk and he'll make you new. He'll wipe your slate clean and he'll keep it clean. Not based on how good we are, but based on how good he is. Romans 10, 13 says this, Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Preachers have been telling that simple verse for thousands of years. And people struggle to believe it. It can't be that easy. It can't be that easy, preacher. So I, 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 just, been all, I just been messed up my whole life. All I got to do is ask God to save me and he'll do it. Yes, he will. That's what the Bible says. Here, here, here's where the catch comes in, because many people, I did it myself. Man, I, I can remember many times, home drunk, hugging the toilet bowl, crying, begging God to please let these dry heaves stop. I wasn't really searching God with my whole heart. I was just looking for some temporary relief. Some people have walked the aisle two, three, 25 times and never truly gotten saved. Why? Because the Bible says you'll only find him when you search for him with your whole heart. So I want to give you an opportunity this morning. To make a real life-changing decision for Jesus Christ. If you've already done this, you don't need to do it again. The Bible says that salvation is eternal. Once you do it, you got it. But if you're here and you're not sure about your eternity, if you're here and you've never personally felt resurrection power on the inside of you. See, I haven't died in the natural yet, but I've already felt resurrection in me. Because when I got saved on July 15, 1981, I felt something come alive in me that was not alive in me before. I had a life change. I didn't try to clean my act up. I changed from the inside out, and it made a difference. And I want to give you an opportunity to get real salvation today. It burdens my heart to see folk come to church without real salvation. Come to church trying to do better. Listen, God's not asking you to beat your addiction God's asking you to lay your addiction down and trust him. God's not asking you to become a better person. God's asking you to lay yourself down and become a living Christian. You say, well, Pastor, all that sounds great. How does that happen? It's as simple as calling on his name, but you really got to believe it. You really got to want it. So what I want to do right now is I want to lead you in a prayer. This prayer is not magic. This prayer won't save you. But if your heart really feels it, and you really want new life in Christ, God will hear your heart, and he'll save you. I want everybody to close their eyes. Bow your heads. Close your eyes. Nobody looking around right now. If you're here and you're not saved or you're not sure that you're saved, I don't want you to leave today just having been in church. I want you to leave today knowing what it's like to be a real Christian. If you want to find out what it's like to be a real Christian, all you have to do is ask God to come into your life. The Bible says if you'll call on his name, He'll save you. If you need to be saved today, I'm going to pray a prayer out loud. I want you to pray it silently in your heart. The Bible says God hears the thoughts in your mind. And I want, to, I want you to ask God to save you this morning. And if you want to be saved, pray after me as I pray out loud. You pray silently in your heart. Dear God, I do believe in you. And I do believe in Jesus. I believe that he died for my sins. And that he rose from the dead. Please save me. Please forgive me of my sins. 
please make me a Christian. I choose to accept you and to follow you today and forever. With every head bowed and every eye still closed, no one looking around but me, if you prayed that prayer or something like that and you just really asked God to save you and you meant it, uh, with no one looking around me, I just want you to slip your hand up, say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer. Any, okay, I see your hand. All right, all right, amen. Anybody else? Okay, all, all over the room. If you prayed that prayer, just the ones who really prayed that prayer, I want you to look up at me. Everybody else, keep your eyes closed. If you prayed that prayer, I want you to look up at me. God heard your prayer, and he loves you, and he wants to be your God forever. Here's what he said. He said, if you confess me in front of people, I'll confess you before my father on judgment day. So with everybody looking, I'm not going to have you come up front and do all that. I'm not, I'm not going to take your name and call you and follow up with you. If you want to follow up with God, that's between you and the Lord. But here's the thing. Jesus didn't call anybody privately. He said, whosoever believe in him should not be ashamed. So everybody look up at me right now. I want you to see resurrection power in real life display. Because I believe there were some people in this room that really meant that in their heart. The scripture says if you believe in him, to not be ashamed. To confess him in front of people will get him to confess you on judgment day. Now, only the people, don't stand up if you don't mean it. And don't stand up to celebrate and clap for anybody. But if you just prayed and asked God to save you, and you know you meant business with God, and you believe that's for real in your heart, I want you to stand up. Just you, stand up right now and say, I prayed that prayer, and I ain't ashamed of it a bit. I meant it with my heart, and that's what it's about. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. I want to tell you something. It's God saw what you just did. You don't have to worry about it anymore. Does God accept you? God accepts you based on your faith. Get in church. Grow in your spirituality. Learn how to become the woman, the man that God put you on this planet to be. Because God has a real plan for your life. This is your beginning point. I want you to move forward in it. Some of you have been in church for a long time. Some of you haven't. I want you to start growing into the man and the woman that God saved you to be. Today is a great day because today is about resurrection. And some of you found new life today. Hallelujah. Pray with me. God, thank you for salvation, Lord. I thank you for each person who prayed that prayer, God, and even for the ones who stood up, Lord. I pray that you fill them with your spirit and guide them. For your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.